hey, let's do this uh, monthly mini podcast for our Patreon backers that we don't have an intro for. Does that sound like fun? Sure. You, sh- you should make an intro for this. I should, but it's more charming if I don't. <laughs> that's one word that's, for it. That's one way to. <laughs> that's one way to put it. Oh, let me adjust the levels a little bit here. Do 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 do. This is what you pay us for. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So hi. This is the hi. Uh, hi, Mark. Hi. Hi. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> it's Brian. It's Nancy. Hi. And we're doing our once monthly mini podcast in which uh, we answer questions from our five dollar level Patreon backers. And give away some swag. Although, with uh, the current hubbub over at Patreon, we might be calling them different backers soon. Yes, this may soon be the $5 drip backer <laughs> podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, we we know of what's going on with Patreon. We're not happy with it. We're exceedingly unhappy like about it. everyone else in the world. Even, like, I've seen people who do have big patreon uh, big patreon backers like the the users they are supposedly trying to keep uh are unhappy with this so <laughs> we're as pissed off as you are and i am i'm working as fast as i can to find another platform that so, uh, we can get you all to i mean if you have to drop your if you have to drop yeah that's fine we totally understand keep an eye out though because i so ex- I am looking for another platform. Explain what is what happened for people who haven't kept up with it. So the good folks, uh, Jack and the good folks at Patreon are a bunch of idiots. Wait, is the head of Patreon also named Jack? Y- yes. What is it with jackholes who run like tech companies that don't know how to use their tech? God, I, I don't know. But so here's what's going on. So Patreon decided to... Um, charge an upfront fee to patrons instead of skimming off of the create the content creators. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they are charging 30 or they're charging a certain rate I'm not sure off the top of my head um, per thing that you back on Patreon mm-hmm. instead of like just a one time once a month uh, credit card or a charge right. Which that's that's bad enough because my 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 thought here is no please skim off of what the patrons are giving me right. don't charge the patrons twice well and it's like they're charging them a, it's like a sales tax almost except it's a it's a much sa- more expensive sales and tax. sales tax sales taxes are inherently regressive yeah ta- or a regressive way to tax people and the thing I've seen a lot on Twitter is that people sign up for a certain pledge level and they didn't sign up for any other fees they didn't agree to that so if people if they want to change how much money they're taking out of your account uh they need to get people to like re-agree to the terms and conditions and like people are like i pledged a dollar that's what i want to (laughs) pay like i and they, I saw one graphic that someone made up to demonstrate it. And it was like, someone pledges a dollar to 20 creators. Their new fee is like 
something like $27. Whereas so, they pledge $20 to one creator, their like, new fee is like $20.82. Yeah, which is ridiculous. So you're basically getting penalized more so, yeah, for supporting more people. You're getting punished for supporting more pay, supporting more creators. Right. For not supporting at higher dollar increments. Mm-hmm. It's it's stupid. It sucks, and, people, and I hate it. And people want like the. I, I mean, we're we're very very small, but like we want, we would rather have a lot of backers at a low at like a dollar level which is why we completely reworked our patreon yeah. structure because we wanted more people to get involved with the slack and yeah. to get involved with the community and so we know we that people put that can't... at the lowest tier because we yeah. want that it wanted that well, to be accessible know, i mean we know people can't afford some people can't afford to do more than a dollar especially if they're supporting a lot of people and with how many podcasts there are in the star wars community and like content creators we know that people aren't just backing us they're backing other people you and as i well. are backing a bunch of people as well yeah so it's stupid and like even people like cameron hurley author cameron hurley who has a patreon where she's like gets a a couple thousand dollars a month from her patreon which is seemingly the type of people that patreon judging by their comments wants to keep around and even she's so pissed off about it because she she posted a screenshot of her latest like exit surveys and everyone who's dropping is like new fee structure new fee structure i don't like it i don't like it and like it's it was at least 20 people who dropped and that doesn't that might not seem like a lot like oh 20 dollars but like for us that's a lot well and, and even for someone like that it adds up well i saw i saw another uh uh, another creator sort of at the Hurley level mm-hmm. um, that posted a screenshot of their exit surveys and they said, Patreon just cost me my New York City Metro Transit yeah. budget this month. Yeah, and like we we listened to the, the Frog Pants con- uh, podcast, which is run by Scott Johnson and, you know, they... He makes his living from podcasting. Even before Patreon, he that's what he did for a living. But they get a lot of money. And um, his co-host like posted something on Patreon saying, like, yep, we're not happy with it. <laughs> you know, we're we're looking to see what happens. So if even those like Patreon is saying, like, from what we've read, that they they're basically trying to keep the bigger creators and they don't care about the smaller ones. Yeah, so but Patreon, the bigger creators are pissed off too. Yeah, they <laughs> so, pissed off the 1% creators. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you look at a lot of the page the Patreons, like mo- I would say the majority of the backers are either like $1 or $5. Like people aren't backing like most people aren't backing a bunch of different creators at a high level amount like that's the beauty of patreon is that you can be like yes i will give you a dollar and i will give you a dollar and you will give you a dollar and it over the whole thing about patreon was that it was designed so that people could give back to these things that were out there for free Mm -hmm. that they'd always wanted to just contribute to somehow and right and we have this so we can offset uh, our hosting costs. So just as a breakdown, um, we it costs us about. I did the math a while ago. It costs us about four hundred dollars a year 
mm-hmm. to host uh, for domain hosting, uh, which is uh, the Tashi Dash station.net URL, mm-hmm. uh, for the data hosting for the blog, uh, which is done with HostGator, um, and uh, for the podcast hosting, which is done with IX. And because we have so much podcast stuff, we have to we have to pay a certain amount of money every quarter uh, just so we have the bandwidth to allow people to both upload the files for hosting and to have them be downloaded. Yeah. Um, so the Patreon's been great for us because, I mean, yeah, we can pay. The, we're not in a situation where we wouldn't be able to do this without yeah. patreon but it is nice to offset the cost yeah to offset the cost and to know that if something happens with one of our jobs we don't have to suddenly pull the plug on something right. we're paying for right and like we you know there is a lot there's a bunch of authors who use patreon and they have different levels where they have different obviously we have different rewards at each level but for them it's like you know you pledge a dollar you get you you know, access to everything. You get $5, you get maybe like previews of stuff. You pledge $10, you get behind the scenes looks, you know. So for us, it's more of a just, you know, we don't have as many different levels as as some, you know, creators do. For because us, Because we're not looking to really make money off of this. Yeah. We're just looking to offset our costs. Right. So so we we built our Patreon about around the $1 and the $5 tier because we don't really want to ask for a lot of money. We no, just we want, don't want to make a lot. Of, we just no, just we like, just want we want to offset our costs yeah, and anything that's, that's left over we uh, use we used to do podcasting some yeah, stuff. we use microphone podcasting um it's because of Patreon that I was able to get a new mixer in mm-hmm. a hurry mm-hmm. when when my mixer died earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it would have been a couple of weeks of, okay, have to kind of rebudget things before I can go order a new one off of Amazon. But basically, I haven't heard, seen anyone who's happy about this. No, <laughs> Even I mean, no one's people happy. who make their livings off of it or people who are just, you know, trying to recoup costs. So. Yeah, no, no one's happy. This sucks. And we're... We're really sorry. If you need to drop, we totally understand. Yeah, drop. Um, like we have someone in our in our, in our Patreon Slack who is not only you know is is she she's a grad student, so she doesn't have a lot of you know budget right now, but she's also in Canada, so she's paying the exchange rate. Yeah, so she's getting hit doubly with, screwed. She's getting hit with the exchange rate and Patreon's new stupid upfront. F- up front to the patron fee scheme. Yeah. It this blows. Yeah. I'm wait I ha- I have high hopes for Drip. Mm-hmm. Drip unfortunately isn't open yet. If you would like to work something if if you need to drop fine. If you'd also like to work something else out, just DM me and we'll figure something out so you can stop having to get gouged by Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh we're very sorry about this. I am not happy at all. And as soon as I've got another solution in place, I will have that go live and I will tell everybody it's in place because I do not want to keep people on Patreon who do not want to be on Patreon anymore. Right. So, yes. Yep. Boy, that was angrier than I thought we were going to start this show. (laughs) You said we could talk about anything on this show. (laughs) We we did indeed talk about anything. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hey, let's just let's dive straight into the questions. Sweet. 
Let's All do right. it. First one from Amy. Uh, what is your desert island book for legends, canon, or overall? <sighs> this this is, hard. is so hard. No, it's not hard for you. It's not hard for you at all. It's hard for me. Yours is. I mean, my legends book is Starfighters of Atomar. Right. That is my happy book. Isn't it for like anyone? <laughs> like uh, legends, canon, any book, period? Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh but for Although, canon, actually, you know, let's break this into three categories. Sure. Legends book, mm-hmm. canon book, mm-hmm. any book, Star Wars or not. Okay. I, I think that gives I think that gives you a little more sure. room to work with. Legends book. This is really hard because most of my favorite books come from a series and it's hard to take them out. And I would say like Luke Skywalker and the Shadows of Minor, but that doesn't have Mara. I would say Kenobi, but again. It doesn't have Luke Cromara, and as much as I love that book, I need like I would want like that comfort. So like Survivor's Quest is one I consider like a comfort book because they're married, they're kicking ass, you know. But I, I mean, even though it's just the first part in the series, I might have to say Heir to the Empire. You know, I, I can't argue with that choice. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. Okay, new canon book. Um, sh- shit. <laughs> this is harder. It's harder because there we we haven't had as much time to just live yeah. with them. Well, and as much as I enjoy the new canon, and I feel like there have been less. I I feel like most of the books have been good. Like, there are only a few books that I have actively disliked or yeah, haven't the, read. The floor and the quality has yeah. definitely been raised. But there haven't been many books that I've been, like, obsessed, like, and given five stars to and just can't, like, you know, rave about, you know, because it hasn't been that long. Um, I'm tempted to say Aftermath. But again, it's the first part in the trilogy, and like my favorite part of it is Life Debt. But then I also love parts of Empire's End, which you know has the Happy Singer parts that I like. So I don't know if I can break the set. <laughs> um, I think I think I might have to just say Weapon of a Jedi. By Jason Fry, because you know that's uh, that's a that's a solid answer. It's, I mean, it's a short book, so it would you know, <laughs> I would get through it pretty quickly. But it's just it's a good Luke book. So. No, I, I think that's a I think that's a really good answer. Okay. What about you? Uh, I mean, if you read that column I did a couple weeks ago, probably Empire's End. Empire's End. Yeah, you break the set. Yeah, I'd break the set and uh, go with Empire's End. Okay. Although I, I love the whole trilogy. Can we be on the desert island together so we can? <laughs> I feel like that's a, I feel like that's defeating the spirit of the question. Okay, overall book like Let, let's leave Star Wars. Le- yes, leave yeah. Star Wars. Do you know? Ooh. I think I think we might be leaning in the same direction. What are you thinking? Icarus Hunt? Oh yeah, that's really good. <laughs> um, I might I might actually go nonfiction on this though. Man on the Moon. Yes, uh, yeah, that would be good because it's a long book. Yeah, it is a long book, and it's a very hopeful and <laughs> mm. just 
I, I, yeah. If you haven't read A Man on the Moon. I might pick that because I, I'm assuming I wouldn't have my Kindle, so I'd have to read the actual physical book. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't read A Man on the Moon by yeah. Andy Chaikin, um, it's it documents the American space program from uh, Mercury uh, through Apollo. Mostly Apollo. Yeah, mostly Apollo. It's, it's cu- stuff at the beginning covers Mercury and Gemini. Mm-hmm. Um, but it covers mostly Apollo. And, and if you've seen uh, the... Tom Hanks, Ron Howard, uh, HBO miniseries, uh, From, From the, the Earth to the Moon. Uh, this is the book uh, that series was based on. Yeah. And I love to tell the story because Brian gets really jealous of me. I do. I get super jealous. I, I'm really mad that I didn't like get some sort of proof of this, but I was working at the time, so I was trying to be cool but um so i used to work at kennedy space center when i was in grad school i worked at in the education department so i led like the camp programs um so like we had overnight adventure programs where the kids slept under the saturn 5 rocket we had and they, this other program called astronaut training experience and they still have these um you can look them up but um i did that for like a year and a half and uh, one, there was a few times we had the, the astronaut training experience it was a small program, like only 12 to 24 adults at, a t- you know, in, in, in a day. And they had uh, a few times we had corporate groups come in. So like, you know, when you have your work team building exercise, like they would bring their group to do ATX. And there was this one group, I don't even remember where they were from or like what their business was, but they paid to have Andrew Chaikin, the author of A Man on the Moon, come with them as like their quote unquote guide, even though we were, you know, the instructors leading the program. So, you know, you know, the the people that I worked with, like they liked space and stuff, but they weren't like me where they like I was pretty much basically hired because of all the space stuff where other people were like had education backgrounds or customer service backgrounds or tourism backgrounds. I was basically like, we're only hiring you because you know a lot about space. <laughs> so I, you know, and I had read that book before I had read it for grad school and they're like, yeah, uh, we had this group coming in and Andrew Chaikin is with them. And I was like, what? <laughs> do you know him? I'm like, he wrote a man on the moon. (laughs) And I was like freaking out because he was, he was just there and he wasn't necessarily doing anything. He was just like hanging out with them. And I was just like, I have to stand in front of this group, including Andrew Chaikin and talk about space. What the hell? Like, I'm going to sound like an idiot because this guy's going to, he was read, written this book is going to be watching me and judging me. And I was, how old was I? I think I was like 22, 23. So I was like freaking out. So I think that day, was that the day I had to lead the tour? I can't remember. So we they used to do a tour of Kennedy Space Center. And there was a different group of people who led those. They were called communicators. And that's all they did was lead the tours. But one, a few times they weren't available. So we would have people who there was one girl who would do them because she used to do them in a previous job. Long story short. So they 
she wasn't available. So they're like, okay, Nancy, you have to lead the tour. Like, what? So it's an hour and a half tour, like the bus tour, and I had to lead it. And basically, it was just me feeling like an idiot all day long because I had to teach space stuff to Andrew Traken, which was ridiculous. And then I like ended up telling him about my thesis. My thesis was on women who worked at Kennedy Space Center. And he was like, oh, that sounds really interesting. Email me if you have any questions. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) And I'm really mad I, like, don't have a picture of me with him or, you know, because this was before smartphones, so I couldn't just whip out my phone and be like, selfie, (laughs) which in the retrospect, it's probably a good thing. (laughs) So that's my story about when I met Andrew Chaikin. That's a great story. Yeah. (laughs) There was a rumor that Hayden Christensen was going to come to Kennedy Space Center one time, and I was, like, freaking out, but it didn't happen. Oh. Um, But, yeah, uh, my book. I'm tempted to say The Icarus Hunt, but now with every – with my newest obsession, I – it would either be Berear or a civil, uh, a civil campaign. That's good. Yeah, definitely a civil campaign. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good, good answers all around. Yeah. Okay, so Diana asks us, you're planning a heist. Which Star Wars characters do you put in your crew and what are their jobs? Okay, did we put a limit on this? Max five. Okay. Uh, first of all, the person who is sort of leading the the preparation for this would be Talon Card, information broker extraordinaire, because he would know everything. Okay. Uh, I would have Luke, obviously, because he can use the force, and he has, you know, achieved heists before. Um, Let's see. I would need some sort of... Hmm. I need a getaway vehicle, so I would have Mirax with her with the pulsar skate. Um, I would need general like distraction slash charm slash sharp shooting skills. So I would choose Wes Jansen. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, and then. I think, hmm. Oh, did I say Mara yet? Mara. Just yeah. because. Yeah. So, Card, Luke, Mirax, Wes, Mara. Okay. So, for me, uh, Yellow Assyria is the brains of the ops. Ah, she was the one person I thought yeah. of before. Uh, um, that's a good one. Uh, Kel Tainer is the demo, is the blow shit up guy. Because you always need a blow shit up guy. I mean, guy. he, Han Solo chose him as his blow uh-huh. shit up guy and smuggle and scoundrel. Uh, so. Chewy, because you need the muscle. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Wedge, because you need a getaway driver. Yeah. And Face Loran, because like you said, you need that charisma. Yeah. Someone to be the front man. You know man. who else could be charisma front man, dude? Sin Poe? Poe Dameron. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so those are our teams yep okay uh Lindsay asks what is the majestic giraffe network okay so there's a little bit of a story here <laughs> we should probably change that we we should i we mean we need to make new new bumpers for uh, new uh, year yeah uh, i think i'm gonna start 2018 with new bumpers for yeah. tsr yeah um so 
a long time ago. If you, uh, sir, if you, uh, if you are a good voiceover artist, let Brian know you can do our <laughs> bumpers. Yeah, you'll be doing the VO for our bumpers. Um, so a long time ago, Nancy and I didn't, we did not have Tashi-Station.net. Mm. Uh, you were writing for EU Cantina. Mm-hmm. I was writing for Roku Depot. And we, and I wanted to do a podcast. You've heard this story before. Uh, drag Nancy into it. Originally, this show was um, the po- the official podcast of Roku Depot and was hosted on um, Solo Sound, which was part of EU Cantina. Um, we had a falling out with uh, Solo Sound. If you Google the great <laughs> gender kerfluffle of 2012, you'll find everything you need to know there. Let's move past that. Uh, yeah, so that's where the show started. Um, well, while all that was going down, I, Nancy and I decided we were going to go look for a new host for the show. Um, that's where Nancy's friend Matthew Bowers came into play, mm-hmm. who at the time was hosting a uh, little little bit of a podcast network called the Majestic Giraffe Productions. We jumped to there, um, and they were the host for a year and a half, two years. Um, Matthew eventually got out of the podcast hosting business, and essentially, uh, I took over Majestic Giraffe, um, which uh, is... Uh, MajesticGiraffe.com uh, was where uh, the podcasts were being hosted at the time. Um, so I took that over, and Majestic Giraffe Productions kind of became uh, the Tashi Station podcast network mm-hmm. just over time. Uh, why is it still in the intros? Because I'm too <laughs> lazy to remove it. Honesty. Brutal honesty, um, but yeah, we're gonna start the new year by uh, by uh, doing new intros and outros for TSR. That's yeah. the story there. Uh, Lindsay also asks, and Nancy, this is very much a you question. Oh, okay. I'm having organizational issues. I like to keep all my books <laughs> on my shelf in timeline order, and Delray books are great with the updated timeline at the start of each book. However, with all the Disney publishing books. I'm starting to get confused, especially when you consider books like Lost Stars, Rebel Rising, and Catalyst all span so many years. So, how are we determining the timeline for canon books? Okay. Nancy just had a come-to-Jesus <laughs> moment with her bookshelf a so, couple days ago. I Yeah, so I am like you. I like to put everything in timeline order. I have We have three bookshelves in our front room, our living room. We have. I have one bookshelf that's Legends. I have one bookshelf that's non-Star Wars books, and then one bookshelf that's canon books. So the Legends books are all organized by chronological order, and they have been forever. So when um, the canon books started coming out, I wanted to do the same thing, and we moved. We moved into our house last year, so I, I, you know, I put all the books up. Um, in in timeline order but then i had the problem where some of the books take place over a long period of time like lost stars or thrawn 
or uh, I don't know. But it wasn't it was not as easy to do this or like phasma that goes back and forth. So I'm like, I don't know how to arrange them because I was like trying to slot them in and it wasn't working. And plus, like there there aren't a lot of books yet. So the, uh, that bookshelf is mostly like it's it's books, but it's also like collectibles. I put I tweeted a picture. But um, point being, I decided that from now on, I'm going to organize my Canon bookshelf by publication date, not chronological timeline, mainly because it'll be easy for when I get a new book to just put it at the end <laughs> of the, put it at the end of the line uh, instead of figuring out where it needs to belong. So um, I, it's it still bothers me sometimes. I, I did do some exceptions where I put all the aftermath books together just because I couldn't stand to have them separate. But yeah, that's pretty much it. That that works as an answer for me. And I have my other books organized in like sort of genre order. (laughs) And that's pretty much it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Scott asks, kind of random, but I was recently wondering whatever happened to the guy with the really deep voice who does the opening for each episode of (laughs) TSR. I don't remember his name, but he used to be on the show once in a while. Okay. That was Shane, who is uh, Emily's uh, husband. Um, Emily and Shane, uh, were part of the early, early, early iterations of the blog and podcast, um, and they are still very much welcome on the blogging podcast whenever they want. Uh, however, Emily got her, got her PhD mm-hmm. and is now teaching at a college is now uh, teaching at college and that un- that consumes all of her time. Yeah. Uh and they've got two kid two young kids they're raising right now. So they are just wonderfully busy. Yes. But they're busy. Th- but they are they're both doing well. Uh th- Emily has been one of my is one of my oldest oldest friends. Uh so I I we're, we're still in, in contact with them. Yep. Uh Scott also asks also, what are you looking forward to about the Han Solo movie that opens in five months? <laughs> um, I don't know, because we don't even have a trailer yet. <laughs> and if they put one in front of The Last Jedi, it's going to be really weird, because no one's going to remember it by the end of the movie. <laughs> uh, given that I we recently watched The Martian again, I'm just going to say Donald Glover. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm most interested to see if they keep any sort of um, of Han Solo's Legends backstory because I really love the idea of him being in the Imperial Academy and the whole idea of him like break you know getting kicked out because of rescuing Chewie. Like I, I know they might not want to keep what they had because they want to do a new story, but I would really love to see like Han as an imperial and have to struggle with that um and uh yeah i don't know it's true to see like who else is in the movie i guess Uh, it's just not on my radar at all i know and it's like it's not that far away like we're like even with rogue one five months out we were we had two trailers already we had two trailers and it was very much something we were thinking about a lot but i Move it to December! (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why. Like, it's good to... Yeah, it's... And, like, Infinity War comes out two weeks beforehand. (laughs) 
it's gonna get run over by Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. All right, final question from Matthew. Uh, music recommendations for writing. I've got Star Wars covered naturally and Wonder Woman and Thor, but I'm always looking for more. Uh, Mad Max, Fury Road. Yep. Uh, where do you, he said The Martian. Do you say The Martian? Uh, no. Oh. That's a, yeah, that's a great recommendation. The Martian. Uh, because it's, it's not very, uh, like sometimes Star Wars gets distracting for me because <laughs> mm-hmm. I know the theme so, so you're much. Looking for more ambient Just, background, yeah. Martian, Martian is very much like that. Uh, and to riff off of that one, I'm a big fan of writing to the Mass Effect soundtrack. Yeah, it is ha- very. It's that very spacey kind of sound you're looking for. Yeah, I haven't really tried that. You gave them to me, but I haven't really tried it. I I Martian I do a lot. Um, Thor, I haven't really done because it's it's new, but I I love that soundtrack and um, Wonder Woman. Uh, same, I, I I listen to that sometimes while writing, but not really. Mostly Martian because it's more sci-fi. Um, but I do the same thing Delilah Dawson does. I make playlists for my books, and I basically just go through and try to like pick songs that are fitting certain moments in the movie or just like the atmosphere of the of the book um and but i unlike her like she picks music she doesn't know at all like she just goes to spotify and like searches like space and like come or like you know just comes up with people she doesn't know whereas i will use songs that i know and because they they get me in the mood faster uh, I, t- I, I tend to use a lot of video game soundtracks because those tend to be the sort of ambient music yeah. I'm looking for. Yeah. And chill wave, synth wave, things like that. Yeah, I find playlists are really good at getting me in the mood of the story. Um, like if, I, if I'm, especially if I'm doing nano and I'm writing all the time and I need to, you know, quick get in the mood to write. That's... Yeah, it's a quick trigger to get you there. Yeah. So, you know... I would say try doing that as like one of your brainstorming tactics just because and like a lot of times if I'm like thinking of a book, I'll be like, oh, this like the book I I wrote for Nano was basically I came up with the idea because of a song. Uh, So the the song Genghis Khan by Mike Snow, Mm -hmm. it was basically that song in that video that kind of gave me the whole aesthetic for the book. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so those are all the questions. Anything else you want to chat about while we're here? Uh, well, the last Jedi, but we're going to talk about that on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, so. Oh, who do we have coming on Tuesday? What? Uh, who's uh, we're doing a last Jedi preview show yeah. Tuesday? Uh, who's coming on to get? Oh, with no us? one's coming on that one. No one's coming on That's that one. That's just us. That's just us riffing <laughs> off each other. Yes. Great. The next, the week after, we will have our last Jedi reaction, and we should have guests for that. Yes, and I'm also going to say you were going to want to stay tuned to the Mouse Droid. Yeah. This week, because we are going to be doing, we're going to uh, Galactic Nights yeah. uh, on Saturday, which is yeah. the big event they're doing over at Hollywood Studios to yeah. celebrate The Last Jedi, and they've got a big panel previewing uh, Galaxy's Edge, or otherwise known as Star Wars Land. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to be taking a bunch of pictures, we're going to be throwing that up on the site. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be cool. And we are also doing uh, The Void's Secrets of the Empire virtual yeah. reality experience cassian's going to send us on a mission and k2so is going to snark at us yeah that sounds fun i yeah so mouse droid we're going to be talking all about that so you're going to want to listen to that show uh yeah. to hear what we think and what we saw um so yeah and- we have uh so we're doing we have tomorrow night 
Monday night. We are recording a new episode of, of Dice and Droids. Yes. We're finally coming back. It's finally back. Of Dice and Droids is back tomorrow with some big surprises and big changes. Uh, that's going to let us be a be a monthly show, or I'm hoping I can do it occasionally twice a month. Yeah. So we will see on that. Yeah. Um, but uh, we will be at least monthly moving forward on that. We've got some changes in store. I hope you like them. I am very nervous about these changes. But <laughs> we will, we'll see how it goes. Um, uh, yeah, that's it for me, unless uh, there's some other topic you want to rant about. Uh, no. Okay, so Nancy and I are going to get back to our original trilogy plus TFA uh, rewatch in preparation for The Last Jedi. I'm going to be watching The Seahawks a little later and working on some... Uh, other fun thing fun projects uh, on the side uh but yeah this was the first uh, five dollar patreon backer and soon to be the five dollar drip backer podcast <laughs> thanks for listening again uh we really appreciate all of you who have kicked in on patreon you've let us uh you've helped us cover the cost for doing this show and hosting the blog and you've Helped us out of a crisis situation when my mixer ver- almost caught fire. Uh, so yeah, thank you for uh, thank you for backing us and for supporting us. Uh, we're going to be doing these every month, and uh, just again, thank you. We'll catch you again on the mini show next month. Thank you. Bye. Bye.